It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, usually record these right after the game on Sunday, but I had a long weekend. And uh, I didn't even make it to the end of the game on Sunday night. So it is still dark on Monday morning. I've already watched the game. Uh, you know, it, wasted opportunities. That's that's what this whole season's about. <laughs> Sunday night, uh, Mets won. They, they salvaged a game from the series. So uh, they still enter this week five and a half back in the division. The wild card is pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. And not necessarily who's going to win it, but the Mets are pretty much out of it. The Cardinals swept the Padres this weekend. They've really extended a, a lead in the wild card. I believe that's up to three and a half games, at least over whoever's right behind them. Uh, the Mets are eight games out, seven games out. I believe seven games out. In the Anyway, the wild card's pretty much out the window now. But, uh, yeah, uh, the Braves lost two out of three in San Francisco this weekend. They're still out west. The Mets... You know, again, had their chances to to win games this weekend, and it just didn't work out. We're not going to go through everything. It's it's been a hallmark of the season. It, it's kind of been the same old story. It's it's uh, decisions and, and gambles taken that that don't always go out to uh, go to plan. And you know, I think Louis Rojas is very much under the hot seat right now. There uh, there hasn't been much of a turnaround, and uh, you know, we've seen the the peaks and valleys of this team. And we know that this is, could be a, a very um, hot and cold group. We've seen it all year, even when it wasn't a full staff. But, you know, they've gotten to the point where it's just the same the same story on a nightly basis. Uh, I do have faith in this core. You know, I think we talked about it in the last show for a couple of seasons, or at least a, a season and a half if you look at 180 games or so. This was by weighted runs created plus the fifth best base, the fifth best offense in baseball. So you certainly have to take that into account. Uh, Jeff McNeil, who hit the game-winning home run in the seventh inning on Sunday, he put it. I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have the quotes in front of me, but he put it pretty well. He put it. Um, so he knows he has a few good seasons under his belt. He knows he's a good hitter. Uh, you know, one bad year doesn't necessarily write the story. And that goes for a lot of these guys. Dom Smith, big two-run double um, in the fifth inning on Sunday. You know, he, he has not had a great year, but these guys are, are pieces. They're pieces to the puzzle, without a doubt. Um, I do expect the Mets to go out and make all the necessary moves to bring this roster up to snuff, but I really don't expect a whole lot of turnover from, from this core group. I know we talked about Michael Conforto a bunch. There's going to be a lot to determine there. He's still uh, looking like Conforto. He's hitting the ball. He's, he's he, he's looks confident. You can look at him at the plate. Look at him on the field. Look at his face when the TV, when the camera pans to him. He's 
Michael Conforto again in you know in every facet. Of course, without us knowing him personally, just looking at him, he, he looks he doesn't look as distressed as he was for the first half of the year. You could see, you could feel the frustration when looking at him. It's you know it's changed. Um, as far as what's left, I mean the Mets have twelve games left. They got two in Boston. They are, they're off on Monday. Uh, two in Boston. Off on Thursday again. And then they finish out their, their their season. They got three in Milwaukee, four at home versus Miami. That closes out the home schedule. And then three in Atlanta. And I really I can't believe that the Mets are still heading into the last two weeks of the season mathematically, excuse me, mathematically alive. It's shocking. Everything they've gone through, all the just the, the lowest of lows. And yeah, they were some pretty fun high points this year, but just absolutely frustrating. You guys know me. I try to stay on an even keel all the time with this team. I really, you know, I, I used up all my tickets very early in my Mets fandom of getting really, really angry and letting this team like affect my day-to-day life. But this season's been frustrating. I, this is the closest I've come to putting my hand through a wall this year. Uh, it's just, it's, it's been very, very tough to watch. But um, the Mets have 12 games left. They theoretically have to head into Atlanta that last series, uh, you know, within three games at the very least, because we said we talked about it on the last show. Uh, Atlanta and Colorado were rained out on Thursday this past week. They don't have any mutual days off. So, Unless, if necessary, they will be playing that game. So even if the Mets go ahead and tie the Braves down the stretch, uh, you know, in the last scheduled game of the regular season, the the Mets' fate will lie in the hands of the Colorado Rockies the day after the uh, the regular season ends. So that, that should be fun. Again, extremely unlikely. The Braves are going to have to keep on losing. The Mets are going to have to start winning. Uh, you know, it's not – we've seen miracles happen, but this is just – you know, it, it, you can't have any expectations for any magic at this point. Um, and, but that being said, it's going to be a very uh, strange off season. I put a question out to my Twitter followers on Sunday. Said if anybody had any questions, please go ahead and uh, and reach out. We're going to try and and run through those a bit. Uh, it's going to be a quick show today. We really, you know, we went through the list of free agents in the last show. The Mets situation hasn't really changed. There wasn't many noteworthy moments from this weekend series with the Phillies. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to go through some questions and try to stretch those out a bit. Like I said, it'll be a quick one this week. Uh, Jay Bergs, Jay Bergs 87. So, for upcoming Mets free agents, an openly honest take of re-sign or let them walk. Well, Jonathan, uh, we we played our, our, it's America's favorite game, if we're being honest. Uh, run it back or it's a wrap on last week's show. So please do, do check that out. But yeah, the Mets have decisions to make. And, and you know, your Javi Baez, Michael Conforto, uh, you know, I, there's definitely priorities. Uh, Aaron Loop, um, there, there's going to be decisions to make. Uh, you know, go back to the, I don't want to repeat myself, but go to, go back to the last episode Check that all out. I do think that Javier Baez is a shoo-in to come back. I think he wants to be here. Um, I think that will help the Mets in 
negotiating, you know, team friendly, quote unquote, is a is a stretch. He's a talented player, but if he wants to be here, and that goes for everybody, Marcus Stroman, Michael Conforto, if they want to be here, um, you know, maybe they'll everyone will kind of help to make that work, whether it's structuring a contract differently. I'm not looking for guys to, to give up dollars, but, uh, you know, if you can set up your contract or structure your contract a little bit differently to let the Mets really, you know, make a push, maybe offset some fun. Who knows? I'm not into this stuff. This, this isn't my cup of tea, but, uh, you know, there's, there's options there. But as far as the players themselves, I do believe Baez is a good fit here. I'd love to be in the mix on him. I think Conforto takes the qualifying offer. Of course, the Mets have to offer. They don't have to, but uh, from a baseball operations and business sense, you pretty much have to. Uh, You offer him the QO. If he doesn't accept it, um, I do think that Conforto's quotes last week hinted at him being open to coming back here. I think that he's been very open in the past about enjoying playing for the Mets, and um, yeah, I think there's a unfinished business kind of aspect to uh, to Conforto coming back. I do think that'll happen. You know, Marcus Stroman, we, we talked about him a bunch in the last show. You really, he's such the quintessential top end of the rotation guy, whether you're slotting him in behind Jacob deGrom, whether injury strike again and you need him to be the ace, he's that guy. Um, he, he's not the flamethrower that's going to, flame out. He's a, 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 a thinking man's pitcher. And I think that's going to be a, a smart investment for whoever gets in on him. I think that should really be the Mets. Um, yeah, but as for the rest of the free agents, Aaron Loop, of course, he's already made his his wishes known that he'd like to come back. And I think you have to do that absolutely uh, as soon as possible. But yeah, the Mets are going to have decisions. And please, yeah, you know, to, to expand on all those Certainly go back and listen to the last episode. But, Jonathan, we appreciate that question. Uh, Joe Toscano, the Joe Toscano, uh, he wants to know about the rotation in the bullpen. Uh, Joe says, I think Noah is more or less an unknown quantity for next year. Jacob deGrom being healthy for a whole season seems to be asking a lot at this point. Where does Stroman fit in if he comes back? Are McGill and Peterson ready to be the four and five guys behind those top three. Well, I do think the Mets are going to, of course, try to bring Noah Syndergaard back in the fold. We should know this week what he's uh, bringing to the table. I believe his next uh, outing, whether it's uh, live BP or rehab or whatever it's been up till now, his next appearance has been reported by uh, the Mets beat to – possibly be coming for the for the big club. So we should see that shortly. I do expect the Mets to do all they can to bring him back in the fold. He's such a, a high-end pitcher, and he's still in his prime. Of course, he's coming back off an of injury, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, Jacob deGrom, I, I, I'm, I'm not overly concerned with his durability. Um, he, he, he's gone lengths to make sure that he is healthy. He knows his body better than anybody else. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't expect it. I, I wouldn't expect him to be ramping up at the end of the season this year. If he wasn't feeling in tip top shape, he's already got his big con. He doesn't need the money. He's, he, he's just a, 
he's a gamer, and if if he's healthy, he's going to pitch. And I think he knows that where that line stands. I'm not overly concerned. I would like to see um, the Mets. You know, and you got to remember they went out last off season and really did reinforce this rotation. And injuries just, you know, they really tore it apart. So you have Taiwan Walk. Well, of course, Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, if he's back in the fold, those are our our two foundational pieces. Marcus Stroman, we just talked about him. If he's back in the mix, that is again your perfect number two guy, uh, versatile, consistent. We talked about Stroman a bunch in the last show. Uh, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker, of course, only racked up 70-something innings in the three previous seasons before 2021. He's up you know, well past that number this year. He's, I believe he's creeping up towards 170 now. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. That's a, a, a pulling out of thin air guess. It, with a full offseason season. Coming off of a full season, I fully expect Taiwan Walker to show us more of what got him to the All-Star game in 2021. I, I, you know, you have to kind of take into account the long layoff, the uh, not a lot of work over the last few years for him, and take that all into account. Um, He's had a couple of really, really tough outings in the second half. He's had a really a few really tough innings in the second half, but he's bounced back later in the games. He's done that more than a few times. Uh, we just saw it recently. What was that, the Yankee game? Uh, anyway, you know, we've seen Taiwan Walker kind of go up and down, but he snaps back in really quick. Just got to kind of limit those down times. I do think he's going to be a very big part. Uh, Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill, I'm a big fan. His his confidence on the mound, his uh, just approach, his approach to pitching. He, come and get it. That's that's what he does. He throws strikes. Uh, he, he entices guys to, to go ahead and be aggressive with his fastball so he can mix in his changeup. And, and the changeup is dastardly. The slider's a very nice pitch, but that changeup is nasty. And he throws his four seam so much and with such uh, command that he could really make that work. I, I have very high hopes for Tyler McGill. I do think he fits into the mix next year. David Peterson showed, had was definitely showing uh, a lot of potential to be a back-end guy. He probably even showed flashes of being a number three. I, I certainly think he's in the mix. you got to keep in mind, Joey Lucchese will be back, and he was really starting to find a groove. And uh, Jordan Yamamoto, I mean, he was pitching really well for Syracuse uh, after coming back from injury. I think he had a really good outing his last time out. There's going to be uh, depth. The depth that the Mets put together last offseason is really going to come into uh, into play next year. and It should work out well as far as the rotation. In the bullpen, I like the, the core of this bullpen. I like the potential of this bullpen. I think Edwin Diaz is going to be around, uh, uh, you know, without question. Um, he's still young and he's still under team control. I, I don't see that... Uh, that changing. I like Miguel Castro. I like where he's gone this year. His his ceiling is ridiculously high. Trevor May. Trevor May's still in the fold next year, and uh, he had a, he's you know he's had those moments where he's been um, out of whack, but he snaps back in real fast. Uh, struck out the side on Sunday night. Very big inning. Looked you know electric, and, and that you know most of the times Trevor May looks electric. 
And there's times he just he loses it. But that's that's the that's a bullpen. That's the the volatility of a bullpen. That's just how it is. Would would you like to see consistency all year? Of course. Look at Jerry's Familia. Familia has some of the nastiest stuff in the majors. The guy just can't find the plate sometimes. And when he does, he finds way too much of it. That's going to be a question for me. What what Familia is going to be, whether he's going to be here next year. I think we talked about that on the last show, too. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's not going to get that $10 million a year deal this time. Uh, I highly doubt it. But if the you know if he's willing to take half of that or whatever, whatever the, the market dictates, yeah, bring him in. It's another piece. I just don't want to see – I want to see bullpen management. And, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of Louis Rojas. I'm a big fan – Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of what he's done and the, I guess, the mindset that's grown from these, from this club. Because you know, there's like, well, like we said, there's been low points, but uh, they've rallied. They've rallied a bunch, and that certainly falls on leadership. That all being said, Louis Rojas has made some questionable decisions this year, and. It's put the Mets at a disadvantage more than once. So uh, where that's going to lead, you never know. But in, in, in the big picture, utilizing this bullpen as it should be utilized, uh, there's a lot of good pieces. And I think that it's going to be a, a, a strong group again next year. And for, you know, for large portions of this season, the bullpen was lights out. And for other portions, it wasn't. So, again, that's kind of just how the bullpen works. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break. Just hear from our sponsors real quick. Come right back. We got like two or three more questions. Hang tight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. We are answering questions from our Twitter feed. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about the upcoming Mets free agents or impending free agents. Uh, spoke a little bit about the rotation and bullpen in a very general sense. And next on the list is Uncle Pete Christopher Pistol Pete. What's up, Uncle Pete? Uncle Pete is literally my uncle. It's my mom's brother. And uh, 
ardent reader of the Apple and big Mets fan and representing Massachusetts from uh, from Hollis by way of Hollis, Queens with uh, nothing but blue and orange pride. What's up, Uncle Pete? Let's jump into it. So Uncle Pete says, taking into account all the injuries, how much of the responsibility for this mediocre season lands on Louis Rojas? This team has some great players. Many of our players underperformed. And is the manager responsible for helping players play up to their standards? That's a great question, Uncle Pete. Um, I think we talked about Louis a, a little bit before the break. And I do like the motivational aspect of his well of course we're on the outside of that room we don't know what goes on in there but I do I am encouraged by the way he's rallied his troops on many occasions this year whatever Uh, he knows this group well that also might be a detriment there might be a again this is all speculation but there might be a um a level of complacency Maybe he, you know, maybe he doesn't get fired. Maybe he does. Maybe he really is the, oh, everything's going to work out type of mentality that we see in the postgame pressures. Maybe that doesn't work. I'm sure switching hitting coaches midway through the season didn't help guys uh, get out of slumps or, or find their way out of funks when they, when they had to. Because, you know, that's where the coaching staff comes in for me is when a hitter has to make adjustments. These guys got here because they're, you know, capable baseball players and professional level baseball players. Um, They don't need the coaching staff, at least in my opinion, to tell them swing, take. But what the coaching staff is there for, and this goes for the manager, this goes for the hitting coach, this goes for for everyone who has input in these processes. when When a player is struggling, that's when the coaching staff comes in and gives you another set of eyes on the situation. And goes over video with you. And, you know, some players need that. Some players needed Chili Davis in their ear saying, hey, trust me, I did this for, you know, I've been in this game for 20, 30 years. You know, tilt this or, or, or wait on this or sit back on this. Anything. And, and maybe that chain of communication wasn't there. I do think there was a gap that was helped holding guys back because, you know, like you said, this is a very talented roster. This is a very, it's a, I don't want to say proven bunch, but we've seen their ceilings and they're, they're exciting ceilings. They're filled with potential, this group. Um, guys like Dom Smith and Jeff McNeil and Michael Conforto for most of the season. It took so long for, and some of these guys really never snapped out of it, but it took so long for guys to regain their footing um, you have to wonder, you know, and in the past that really wasn't the case. You have to wonder where that gap was. I don't think it's necessarily Rojas's job to get professional hitters to hit or to get pitchers to throw strikes, but I think it's his job to kind of see red flags and say, oh, all right, something's not working. We got to, you know, dedicate some time to, to rectifying this. And again, without being in that room and without the luxury of, Knowing what these courses of actions have been, it's all speculation, but I do sense a uh, a gap in, in the communication, whether it's on that level, whether it's just between the coaches, whether it's, you know, there's certainly a, um, a break in the line that that's that's what I take from the whole thing. But Uncle Pete, as always, thank you for the uh, for the question, my friend. Mets fan 04. You guys know Mets fan 04. He contributed to the to the Apple 
uh, had a uh, one of our guest our guest spots a few months ago. I'm sure you can go ahead and pick it out. It's the one without my name on it. Um, he asks, "What does the Mets' future at center field look like?" Uh, after missing out on Springer last offseason, I thought Nimmo would be the stopgap until P. Crow Armstrong was ready. PCA was traded to the Cubs. Nimmo has impressed in center field this year, so could he be a long-term option there? I like Brandon Nimmo a lot. Brandon Nimmo, I think offensively we all know what Brandon Nimmo brings to the table. He's in center field. I mean, he's had a really, really nice year in center field. Um, do I think he's better suited for a corner spot? Maybe. I would like to see the Mets kind of explore the option of center field. I know Starling Marte has been mentioned as a uh, as an option going into the offseason. I'm not totally against that. I think he'd be a great fit. Another guy who can go hot and cold, but who doesn't? They're baseball players. But bringing in a true center fielder, all right, so last last offseason, the Mets were going to bring in Jackie Bradley Jr. It was, high, you know, really being heavily reported that the Mets were in on him. With the DH, that really would have fit because you have Bradley in center, Conforto Nimmo in the corners, Dom Smith at first base, Pete Alonso DH. With the DH returning next year, I do expect the Mets to kind of go out and, and, and at least explore the option of bringing in a true center fielder. You know, and that, again, it opens up the door for Dom Smith to move around the diamond. It opens up Jeff McNeil to become the the super utility guy that he's been so, so good at being in the past. Um, you know, he's looked okay in left field, but he doesn't really have the have the arm to be an outfielder. And, and, you know, he's a baseball player. He could play anywhere. But I think at an at, on an everyday situation his vulnerabilities will be exposed over time. That goes for anyone who's kind of playing out of position. And, you know, Jeff McNeil's a special case because, again, he can play anywhere. But you want, at least if it was my choice, I'd want to keep him on the infield roaming around. Um, yeah, I do think the Mets go after a center fielder. And, and I, I couldn't tell you who's even out there. I know Marte's going to be out there, and I think he's a, a solid option because he's a good fielder and uh, decent stick. Just... You know, if the Mets do have to go into next season with Nimmo in center and maybe pick up an actual corner outfielder or even a more versatile guy who can maybe play third and corner outfield, and we'll talk about him in a second, but it, there's uh, there's options. There's options, and if it comes down to it, yes, I'm fine with Nimmo in center, but I would like to see a, a true center fielder out there. Let's keep it moving. Rob Mancini. Rob Mancini is it's my guy. He's a host of the Squat Pod. If you guys are not familiar with Rob's content, please check it out. He uh, just very, very fun stuff. You know, I actually won a contest from Rob's podcast. One of those cool uh, Foco bobbleheads, like the real nice ones. It's the Francisco Lindor. Good morning, my neighbors. Like up in the, in the, uh, in the balcony of a, of a Queens high rise. It's awesome. Uh, hey, Rob. Thanks for the uh, bobblehead and thanks for the question. So let's get into this one because we're going to wrap up on this and it's a good one. The best options for third base in three scenarios for the Mets. Internal or current roster, free agency, or trade. Well, we just kind of touched on this guy a little bit and the Mets were heavily involved or at least reported to be 
heavily involved in uh, acquiring him from the Cubs ahead of the trade deadline. But Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant keeps on coming up in conversations among fans. Uh, he's having a, you know, he's he's being he's been Chris Bryant for the Giants. He's been fine. He's he's been what they I guess expected him to be. I think he had a, a really hot stretch, but he's you know he's Chris Bryant. He's a former MVP. He's a very talented ball player. He's the type of guy who you wouldn't need, in my opinion, you wouldn't need to bring in a true center fielder because, boom, you have a guy who can go from left to third, maybe out to right if you need him. It, it, it adds versatility, and that's kind of been a hallmark of this of the way this roster has been constructed, at least with the eye on, on the depth last winter. Um, you know, versatility is great. Uh, Chris Bryan, of course, would... <coughs> absolutely put this offense uh, over the top, you'd have to wonder, you know, where payroll restraints might come into play. But, um, you know, if you're going out and Steve Cohen said he wants to spend money, he wants to build a winner, he doesn't want to be a drunken sailor, but that's a, a good first step at, uh, at building the winner. Another guy who, again, it would cost a ton of money, but uh, this is, you know, a dream team level infield, Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa in February said that he's willing to move to third base, whether that was for the Astros this season or into free agency if he moves on uh, going into next season. That's enticing. You know, and keep in mind, Correa, Baez, and Lindor played together for Team Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, this this could be the, you know, Major League Baseball's version of the big three. Guys pretty much just saying, all right, we're going to make this happen. And the Mets have the opportunity to make this happen if if all the if the if Correa wants to come here and if Baez wants to resign. Again, it's going to cost the Mets upwards of what pushing 120 million a season for those three guys alone. You know, I think Baez will probably land somewhere in the 25 million range, but Correa is probably going to be somewhere the same. That's uh, anywhere from what. 80 to 90 million a season for the three guys. That's, uh, that's crazy. And then you have to add in, you know, Stroman is going to be getting money and it's going to be a big payroll. I can't, I don't foresee Cohen, you know, pushing 300 million, but, uh, you know, if he wants to creep into the mid twos and, and really make a run. Yeah. Those those are probably your options. Uh, in-house, I I would like to see Jeff McNeil be given a, a shake at, at third base. Um, I think he's a fine third baseman. I do think that his back-to-ball skills necessitate him being in the lineup, whether he's moving around. Uh, Jonathan VR, who's going to be a free agent, uh, I don't know if he's your starting third baseman, but I, I'd like to see him back as a bench piece. Luis Guillorme, who we talked about in, la- in last week's show, uh, I think he's coming up on his... Uh, next year he'll have no minor league options left, so you kind of have to see where he fits into things. He could play third base. You know, the, the Mets, they can go a bunch of... I'm not really sure about the trade market. I'm going to leave that one hanging. I'm going to do a little research there, but... Um, yeah, you have you have options on the free agent market. That, those are going to cost you. And, and I think Josh Donaldson... No, maybe Donaldson... Oh, no, Donaldson's a free agent, too. I'm not crazy about him, but, again, an option. Uh, I'm curious to see whether Brett Beatty 
kind of flies his. Well, maybe they don't go out and and spend long term money on a uh, on a third baseman because you have Beatty and Vientos, and Vientos is up in Triple A now, and Beatty's kind of hit Double A and uh, hasn't missed a stride after really really hitting well in um in Brooklyn in High A. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio too, I believe he hit his first home run with Double A this weekend. But you know you have third baseman coming up. I'm, I'm kind of Curious to see where that goes, and if the Mets are going to extra- explore the uh, the trade route, whether that's for third base or just uh, in general to bring in a you know a, a top flight kind of reinforcement for this roster, well, you have to imagine that if you have a surplus of corner infielders, one of those guys might get dealt too. So, yeah, um, you know, of course, the Mets fan in me says, "Go get Correa and let's just shoot for the moon." Bryant's also a good choice there, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm more hesitant to see, I guess I'm more curious to see, I should say, which direction the Mets go with regards to the future at the position in-house before they go out and dedicate money to the position on, on such a grand level. Um, you know, you can sign Correa and flip your pieces and, and make your team that much better. But then you're, of course, mortgaging your future. But there's so much to determine. Like, look at Ronnie Mauricio. I don't want to get too far off track. But look at Ronnie Mauricio. Mauricio is, for all intents and purposes, blocked by Lindor at shortstop for the next decade. You have to wonder where he's going to be moved over to. If the Mets are going to bring Baez back, second base probably isn't an option. Uh, I still think Mauricio has the highest ceiling of any um you know, Alvarez, of course, is way, way up there. But I think Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a superstar. That's – and I'm try, I am try not to be biased. I just try to look at numbers. And he's played like three years below his age level at every minor league level. And he's he's shown progress each time. I'm, I'm super impressed with him. But I'm curious to see if him or Beatty or Vientos, if those guys are dangled for actual pieces. And that, of course, you know, that has ripple effects and domino effects and – it's, uh, yeah, the Mets have decisions to make when it comes to third base. That's a really, really good question, Rob. I appreciate that one. But, uh, yeah, I think that's, I want to say that's all the questions we got. We only got, like, four or five. But, hey, I, I'm going to keep this going because this is fun. And, you know, for these shows that I'm talking to myself for a half hour, uh, it certainly helps move things along. But, again, the Mets have off on Monday. They are in Boston for two. Uh, starting Tuesday, I think we have starters. We got Marcus Stroman on Tuesday. He was, uh, I guess they were considering starting him on Sunday, but short rests after not pitching in 2020, that just doesn't seem smart at all. So pushed him back to Tuesday. He'll be up against Eduardo Rodriguez, who's having not the, uh, not the years, not the type of year that he's been having in, in recent years. He's up to a 5.00 ERA. By the way, Marcus Stroman, 2.88 ERA, ninth in baseball, last I checked, which is uh, ridiculously impressive. So the Mets are at Fenway on Tuesday for that. And then Tyler McGill is starting against uh, TBD for the Sox. I didn't know TBD has been, he's been, he was with the Yankees last week. He's with Boston now. He's with the Mets earlier in the season. TBD is getting the, uh, the league tour this year. Uh, and uh, yeah, you have to, I guess, hope. The Mets can rattle off some wins, but I mean, at this point, they'll they'll need a miracle, and that's fine. 
You can't win every year. We're Mets fans. This only happens. You know, they only win. <laughs> I believe I was talking to somebody. Uh, you know, every for every half a dozen years, they'll have a really competitive team. But like every 15, they'll have a, an actual contender. That's pretty much what it's worked out to since in my lifetime. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think, yeah, 86, which I was three. I don't remember 86. By the way, guys... I watched the 86 Once Upon a Time in Queens again. If you haven't watched it, so good. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, so good. Um, 86, you know, that 99, 2000 era. That's 14 years, 15 years, whatever. And then 2015. So it's worked out pretty much to a T. 2006 should be in there, but uh, that's that half dozen thing. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, we'll be back on Friday hopefully with a little more momentum or at least a clearer picture of what this offseason is going to look like. You know the sign-off. Let's fucking go, Mets. Peace. Peace.